This week, the comics guys explain Doctor Strange. Yes, thank you, Ben. Uh, this time we'll be going over uh, Multiverse of Madness as a preview for the upcoming movie. So we'll be talking about a lot may or may not be referenced in the movie since it seems like they're kind of keeping a lot of that, you know, ambiguous as to exactly what's going to get covered. But we're going to try and give everyone a, an overview of everything that has at least been hinted at through the trailers. Although I think that they're being tricky in these trailers. I don't know how you think, what you think about it, but I, I think there's a lot of uh, misleading stuff going on in the trailers. Absolutely. I think it's intentionally designed to mess with us at this point, yes. Ever since Avengers uh, Infinity War, they've been uh, doctoring trailers, right? Absolutely. The famous one being the the Hulk in the Wakanda scene of uh, Infinity War. Right. And it's uh, totally different, uh, well, same person, but very different uh, way of getting there. Right. We'll try to be, you know, specific in this when we're talking about things that have been confirmed uh, and which things we're completely making up on our own, right? So, right. yeah, because uh, some of this is going to be supposition as to how it's actually tying in. Because today is the end of April, so we have not yet seen it. Um, if they uh, in the future, if anyone from Marvel's listening, we'd love to go to advanced screenings. <laughs> um, you know, uh, if that's an if that's an option, sure. But uh, yeah, so let's kick it off with the people who we know are in the movie. It'd be very weird if they are not there. Uh, Mordo, Wanda, Mordo and Wanda. Right, basically, yes. They're they're both pretty much certainly in it. We've seen uh, you know, like multiple shots of them. Um, they were prominent in it, and obviously they are both have, you know, like plenty of story leading into it. Um, we're gonna assume in as we're discussing this that you've seen the first one. Um, so we probably don't need to go into, you know, great deal exactly who uh, Scarlet Witch or Mordo are. Um we're also uh, almost certainly going to see some version of the kids. Um, we're pretty sure that the actors who played the kids, uh, you know, like were confirmed to be on set, basically. So uh, the you know the Maximoff children should be uh, turning up in this. Is is her name Maximoff in the in the t- in the movie? Yeah, it is. It is still, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. All right. Um, the other thing, another thing that we are uh, pretty secure, pretty uh, confirmed that we know is that there are multiple Doctor Stranges in this, that Benedict Cumberbatch is in fact playing multiple versions of himself um, in the movie. Now, exactly who these other versions are uh, has not really been confirmed, but the general consensus is that uh, at least one or two of them might be alternate Doctor Stranges from the What If animated uh, TV shows. Um, so if you are unfamiliar with those, let's kind of quickly go over the, the ones in that that we meet. Um, the fourth episode of What If is dedicated to the story of uh, Doctor Strange. In, and uh, in this story, uh, in, in the, this uh, uh, series here, uh, Christine Palmer, uh, his girlfriend at the time, played by Rachel McAdam in the movie, um, is in the car crash with him. Uh, when he becomes injured and she really dies quick. in the car crash. Uh, spoilers uh, for uh, the what if. We don't usually right. cover stuff that's new here, but spoilers for Absolutely what if. true, yes. Spoiler, that's, yeah, we might want to put that into as well, I guess. Um, yeah. Spoiler warning for what if. We're going to spoil uh, the whole back half of the series. So uh, <laughs> if you uh, don't want to hear that, I don't know, skip ahead about 10 minutes and uh, we'll be done. Right. 
so anyway, she is in the car with him, and she is the one. She she dies uh, in the car crash in the story, and uh, so Strange's motivation to learn magic becomes much more kind of like tied up into can he bring her back? Can he fix this terrible thing that happened in the past? Um, he fails over and over again. Uh, and, you know, the universe keeps kind of like conspiring against him to make sure that she dies no matter what he does or which way he tries to change things. Um, he, the Ancient One, uh, confronts him uh, with this and tells him that he needs to stop doing this. And uh, basically, it's kind of a complicated story bit, but basically she splits Doctor Strange into two versions of himself. One who accepts... Christine's death, and then the other one who kind of like remains obsessed and takes off to go get more magical power so that he can overcome uh, this fixed point in time. And so he uh, absorbs the powers of various magical beings and in several cases absorbs their entire, you know, like bodies, their entire, you know, beings into them, into himself to steal their power. And then the good one uh, confronts him. The two of them kind of like have a battle and the bad one wins, right? Or the, 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 the misled one. Neither of them is really evil so much as, uh, you know, one's kind of lost his mind, basically. Um, that's the one who wins the fight. And he continues his efforts to uh, bring her back and basically uh, accidentally destroys the universe. And... This strange, referred to as strange supreme um, in some places, is basically left to grieve alone in a universe that he has destroyed. He's the only living being left in his like empty universe. It's kind of a weird story. Um, I wasn't a big fan of it the first time that I saw it because it's hard to understand. It's, it's hard to kind of like reconcile this version of strange with the one we see in the movie who does not seem terribly broken up about Christine... The, the version who never went with him and never died, right? He, it's, you know, the idea that he's like become so obsessed that he's willing to destroy the universe to bring her back doesn't really fit with me. And the idea that he could just take off for years and, you know, like never talk to her in, in the movie. Um, also, like if her death is supposed to be some important absolute point in like all of the various timelines, I mean, she didn't die in our timeline. So I'm unclear as to how exactly she's a, you know, magical turning point or something. Um, but regardless, that character uh, does continue to show up uh, throughout, uh, you know, over the, the succeeding episodes of What If. Um, at the end of the series, Ultron defeats Thanos in one of the worlds and becomes all-powerful with the stones, and he wipes out most of the life in the universe. Um, the Watcher has to put together a team of characters from the other episodes of What If?, uh, in order to fight him, and one of the members of the team is that version Strange Supreme, who was like brought from the universe with no life left in it at all. Um, and they battle throughout episode nine. Um, in the end, Ultron is defeated, but then he gets taken over by Arnim Zola. And then uh, Arnim Zola in Ultron's body battles a version of Killmonger, who is also in a version of Ultron's body, and they fight over the stones. And basically, uh, this version of Doctor Strange traps them both, with the help of the Watcher, in sort of like an infinity loop that's cut off from the rest of the multiverse, right? They are basically inside, there's like a giant crystal, and inside that crystal is a chunk of this universe where the two of them are just like fighting infinitely forever. 
And uh, that version of Doctor Strange uh, promises as part of his kind of, uh, you know, his, his, his efforts to make up for what he did to his own universe to watch over this crystal and keep it safe eternally, separate from our universe. Yep. It's been suggested that that's the guy that we see in the, uh, the, the version of Doctor Strange that we see uh, who kind of like comes up and confronts himself face to face in this forthcoming movie. I'm not sure I buy that it's the same guy, but I think that's a, I think they're misleading us. Entirely possible. Yeah. We also see an alternate strange in episode five. It's the zombie episode. Quantum virus infects the earth. Basically, everyone's either a zombie or a survivor, and it's got uh, you know some other characters in. Uh, strange shows up briefly. Um, he's not in the majority of it, but we do see a zombie strange for the um, upcoming movie. I don't think it would really matter if it's the same one or not, but right, there's so little. It's unlikely to be to be a big part of the plot, but that may be one of the guys that we see kind of wandering by at some point. Yeah, I think it's a teaser because they're planning on doing more Marvel zombie stuff kind of going forward. I think it's getting its own TV show. That was a rumor that was going around for a little while. That'd be interesting. I was never a big fan of the original zombie series, though there were some cool bits to it. I was not a big fan of the extended run. Yeah, it gets out of control too quickly in the original run. Like, but yeah, I, I don't know. yeah, I'm not a big fan of Marvel zombies. Actually, we never really got to talk about What If, I don't think, on any of these. What was your favorite What If? I, you know, I wasn't a fan really of the entire series. Um, I'm not a fan of that animation style. And so I found all of them kind of like a little difficult to watch. I guess my favorite storyline of them was the first one, was the Captain Carter one. That's all fair. But I did not, uh, I, had to, I had to go back and watch them. After watching the first couple, I had no interest in even finishing the series. And I only went back to rewatch them um, recently as, as part of doing this. So, Yeah, I think it's the weakest of all the series that they've done. Oh, absolutely. No question. There were a couple of, like, I like the Strange Supreme one, even though it was kind of, um, the, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I enjoyed, like, if I was just taking everything at face value is what they said, I, I enjoyed the, like, overall story of it. Sure. Yeah. I just, I couldn't understand his motivation in it, so. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just, you just kind of have to accept that, their, that his motivation is what they say it is, otherwise it doesn't really make sense. Right. And the motivation, you're right, doesn't really make sense with the character. So, yeah, it's a little weird. Right. But, okay, Mordo. Mordo shows up in the first movie. Um, he's his one of his major allies. Last time we see him, he was killing other mages. He kills John Leguizamo, uh, mm-hmm. depriving all of us of future Ice Age movies. <laughs> uh, what, a, what an awful, awful man he is. So yeah, uh, Mordo in the comics is Strange's like biggest human foe. Um, he's pretty much the same as he is in the movies, right? He's the story the- is the the basic story is similar in that uh, Mordo is a student of the Ancient One when Strange shows up, but in the comics, um, Mordo is plotting directly against the Ancient One the whole time. Not even with the good reason of the movie of like, oh, she's using magic that is you know. Uh, that that I don't approve of, that's dangerous to use, etc. In this case, Mordo is just straight up an evil dude, and he is here to learn all of the secrets of magic so that he can, you know, take over the world. And he's been plotting to kill the Ancient One the entire time uh, he's been his student. Um, so when Strange shows up, uh, Strange basically kind of like throws a, uh, you know, a monkey wrench into that plan. Um, and Mordo casts a magic spell 
on Strange that stops him from being able to tell the Ancient One the evil crap that he's up to, right? Um, and so Strange's only choice in order to uh, protect the Ancient One is to become the Ancient One student. And of course, the Ancient One has known all along that Mordo was up to shenanigans. And this was basically a test of Doctor Strange of whether or not he was willing to sacrifice on somebody else's behalf, you know, to to protect him. And so that's, you know, uh, the Ancient One kicks Mordo out and replaces him as his, you know, student as Doctor Strange. Um, in the comics, the Ancient One only has, you know, like one at a time, basically, <laughs> as opposed to an entire school that are all learning together. Right. So Mordo in this looks like he is... Still doing the thing he was doing last time, with this time uh, wanting to punish Strange for some sort of magical malfeasance. Right. Uh, presumably, from what the trailers have implied, it's the stuff he did in uh, No Way Home. Although that's kind of weird, because originally this was supposed to come out before No Way Home. Yeah, I bet I'm. I'm assuming that's either a rewrite or that No Way Home is just being added to a list of things that you know Mordo's got a problem with. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, the bigger thing that it seems like he did was the whole, you know, protecting the universe, or the every single timeline thing with uh, Thanos. Right. Uh, that is probably a crime that she is actually being accused of. At least that's Entirely possible. What I'm reading into the trailers. Right. So, yeah. So who else do we want to talk about? Then? We've got some new characters uh, that we see definitely in the trailers that I'm pretty excited about getting to see them in the, you know, in, in the, the MCU, basically the MCU versions of them. Um, one who I'm super excited about, even though I may be the only person who is, is uh, Rintra. And Rintra is the weird kind of like green minotaur guy that you see uh, in the uh, in the trailer. Um, he is a, a longtime character in Doctor Strange as like kind of a background character in Doctor Strange. He first appears in Doctor Strange number 80 back in 1986. Um, and he is, uh, he's another sorcerer. Um, and his shtick was uh, at the time of the stories, Doctor Strange, his cloak had been uh, nearly destroyed in a fight. And Doctor Strange himself is not capable of repairing it, but he knows another guy who is. He knows another magical wizard who is, uh, who is called Enith Armin, and he's in a completely different dimension. And he is the greatest artificer of like magical items and weapons and everything that Doctor Strange knows. So he sends like the rags and threads, basically, of his cloak to Enith Armin to fix it. And then we don't see it for a few stories, right? Like a few issues go by. And Enneth Tharman, when he is done fixing the cloak, gives it to his uh, apprentice, Rintra, to return it to Doctor Strange, right? So Rintra shows up at Doctor Strange with the cloak, with the newly fixed cloak in it, like in a box, basically, um, in, and arrives in the middle of a battle that Doctor Strange is having with an evil demon. Right, like just happens to be, you know, going on at the same time. And so Rintra kind of gets swept up into the middle of this fight in kind of hilarious circumstances, right? Of like he was just showing up with a delivery, basically, and gets sucked into this battle with the demon. He is so impressed with Doctor Strange that he asks if he can become Doctor Strange's apprentice instead of Anatharman's, because it's like, well, it's cool to hang out watching this guy sew cloaks and that sort of thing. It seems like Doctor Strange is a much more interesting life. And so Doc at first turns him down, 
But, uh, you know, after some interactions between them, he realizes that Rintra actually is serious about uh, about this and could be a great weapon for good if he learned to use old magic. And so he becomes Doctor Strange's sidekick. He becomes a student, basically. And for about two or three years in the comics, from about 90 to 92, he is basically, you know, Doctor Strange's assistant and, you know, kind of like partner in a series of stories that are written by uh, Roy and Dan Thomas, mostly. They're a very fun set of stories. Rintra is like a very entertaining character. Um, he, uh, in 92, he helps Doctor Strange destroy an evil talisman, which like blows up in their faces. And Rintra is terribly injured. And he basically gets put on a bus to go to another dimension to heal. And then the new writers never bring him back, right? Like he's just off in this other dimension. Apparently he's done being a student or whatever. Um, and he doesn't really show up after the mid nineties because none of the other writers of Dr. Strange were as interested in him as Roy Thomas was. Um, when they do the uh, Strange Academy stories in 2020, Dr. Strange is now kind of like setting up a, a school to teach sorcerers, uh, you know, to, to teach good magicians, basically. Uh, Rintra comes back as part of the faculty. He's now one of the teachers. And so that is pretty much where he kind of like stands in the comics universe right now is that he is still one of Dr. Strange's allies and helping him teach kids or teach young sorcerers the, to be good magic. Rintra is actually named after a character in the works of uh, William Blake, right? He is the uh, Rintra, it uh, means that the, the righteous wrath of revolution, right? Which is a, you know, like fascinating thing. Uh, Thomas was way into like William Blake as a poet and all of like the imagery and everything and uses a lot of it in Doctor Strange. So Rintra was just kind of like, you know, uh, a part of that character, a part of that presentation of how Doctor Strange's magic works. Um, on top of being a very impressive sorcerer, Rintra is super strong by himself, right? Like he survives a toe-to-toe -to -toe fight with the Hulk at one point without using magic at all, just by, you know, being that tough. So it will be very interesting to see what, you know, level of, uh, of, of use they get out of him in the MCU. But I would be delighted to see this character show up as a, as a uh, regular character in the movies. And I would love if it meant that he was coming back in the comics. He's great in Strange Academy. I was really I went through a cavalcade of emotions when they canceled Restricted Academy recently, and then like waited like a month to then say, "Oh, but actually, we're going to relaunch it like two months later." Right. Um, yeah. So hopefully, he keeps showing up in Strange Academy. Um, he's he's good in it, even though he's kind of like a side character. It's one of the books that I've been reading recently that's like really quite good. Yeah. I'd be glad if this meant that he was, you know, going to get more airtime, basically, because he's 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 a pile of fun. Yeah, the first time I ran into him was in because I've not read a lot of old Doctor Strange. First time I ran into him was the, the Strange Academy stuff. Well, Strange cool. Academy, yeah, yeah. Um, so next up, uh, we want to talk about a character who I'm ninety nine percent sure uh, has not been confirmed. Has um, not. To, to my um, knowledge, has not been confirmed. This is only like a big, uh, big rumor floating around. Right, but she's probably like what the second most important side character for Doctor Strange. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, and that's Clea, uh, Doctor Strange's long-term love interest. Exactly. She goes all the way back to the very earliest stories. Um, she is introduced in Strange Tales number one twenty-six, which is the summer of nineteen sixty-four. 
Um, Doctor Strange, it's only like a year or two into his own solo stories in Strange Tales. Um, and this was a very kind of like common thing for Stan Lee to do with his characters that he was writing at the time, which was to have a mysterious love interest show up and like be in several stories with the, the main character being like totally smitten and attracted to her, but like, she's really mysterious and she disappears at the end of the story. And like, we never learn her name or her like, you know, actual reason for being there or anything for months, right? Like he'll just drag this mystery out for a long time. He did the exact same thing with Sharon Carter and Captain America, right? Sharon Carter is agent, the mysterious agent 13 for like a year of Captain America's comics before he finally finds out who she is. Um, and in this case, it was clear we don't really know for a while who she is or what she's about. Um, she is part, she is, lives in the dark dimension. Uh, and the dark dimension is a place that uh, is uh, ruled by Dormammu. And it's a place that Doctor Strange goes and gets into fights with Dormammu on a regular basis for those first few years of the, uh, of the, of the stories. And uh, again, he, he, she, she helps him you know, like mysteriously, uh, you know, she will like be behind the scenes, that sort of thing. And like, you know, give him some ability to get out of a trap or something like that for a while before we know who she actually is. Um, she is seen by the bad guys to be helping Dr. Strange at one point, which is basically what gets her caught by the bad guys, right? Dormammu, or more importantly, Umar, who is Dormammu's sister, uh, discovers that she's been trying to help Doctor Strange behind the scenes and basically traps her and uses her as bait to bring Doctor Strange to them uh, for a fight. And uh, which completely works. Doctor Strange completely falls for it and goes to the Dark Dimension again um, to rescue her. And that's kind of the beginning of their relationship, right? Like he actually finds out who she is, discovers that she's, you know, like a princess of this dimension, that she's actually, uh, you know, she's related to Umar. She's actually like a, you know, niece of Umar, which makes her like a second cousin to Dormammu or something, if you kind of like figure it all out. Um, and he rescues her, obviously, and she becomes his lover. She becomes uh, his student, his disciple is a term that they use to describe it sometimes, which is really kind of creepy when you think about it. Um, but they basically get into a romance, into a long-term relationship. She moves from the dark dimension to the Sanctorum in Greenwich Village and lives with him for years. Uh, she is, you know, there when the defenders are formed. She's been part of, you know, like an on and off again romantic relationship with Strange for, you know, 50 years in the comics, right? It's, they've, they've been married, they've broken up, they've gotten back together a dozen times. Um, in the right now current Marvel continuity, Doctor Strange is supposed to be dead. Nobody actually believes this, of course, but for, you know, the, the, the purposes of the story going on right now, he is dead. And Clea has, in fact, actually replaced him as the Sorceress Supreme of our dimension. Um, and so she's kind of like the number one, uh, you know, uh, magical good guy in our dimension. And the current strange series that is running right now is part of the story of her trying to bring Steven back from the dead, quote unquote. Um, so she may or may not actually be appearing in this series, uh, in this, uh, in this movie, there's a lot of rumors that she are, that she, that she is, um, and, Probably not for a big part, right? Like, I'm guessing they will probably do a similar kind of thing 
where she will be introduced in this one and be a big part of the third one kind of thing, right? Like this will just be kind of like a hint of her. The popular rumor running around right now is that she'll be played by Charlize Theron, which would be tremendous. I think Charlize Theron should have been in the MCU years ago. And I'm delighted that they, you know, for to have a character that she could actually play that would be interesting. That's clear. Next up, we want to talk about someone who's already been in the last one. So that was Christine Palmer, um, who is traditionally Night Nurse, although it seems unlikely that that's ever going to be a thing in the yeah. movie. Once again, there is a possible rumor that like this will be uh, like the, the fate of Christine Palmer as a character. Right, like this is what she would like wind up doing over the course of this. Um, if you're unfamiliar with Night Nurse in the comics, uh, Night Nurse first appeared in Marvel Comics back in 1972 um, in a series written by Roy Thomas's uh, first wife, Jean, not his later wife, Danny. Um, and uh, she was not really even in continuity, right? Like this was part of their experiment uh, titles that they were doing in the 70s uh, that's part of kind of like a, a horror series that would have nothing to do with the superhero universe. And Night Nurse was not a, uh, you know, not a superhero uh, story. It was really more of kind of like a horror soap opera, right? Like it was each of the characters, the main characters in it were nurses on the night shift of a hospital where weird stuff kept happening, right? Like where there was like kind of weird, mysterious events. And the nurses in this hospital seemed to be the only people who knew that anything crazy was going on, right? And there was like a, it was a romance soap opera with, monsters a little bit and ghosts it was kind of like uh you know you know barnabas collins kind of thing right like it was a, a the you know there was going to be a, a you know vampire might show up or something like that it was not a success as a series it actually only ran four issues before getting canceled um but the idea of the character kind of like kicked around the marvel uh superhero stories referred to her occasionally almost as a joke right like almost as like a, a thing of like oh they're still out there right like they're still having these we weird mysterious adventures and that dr strange and the other important uh mystical characters of the marvel universe knew her and would occasionally refer to her right as like you know like the nurse that they go to when there's some sort of like medical situation in the world of horror <laughs> of the Marvel Universe, right? Um, she actually became a full-on character again in when Nightcrawler's solo series. Um, they made her part of his supporting cast, um, and that was actually the place that Christine Palmer's gotten the most stage time in the in the Marvel uh, regular com mainstream comics. Um, was in that run of uh, Nightcrawler's solo stories. Yep. Yeah, I, thought, I always thought it was a weird, a little weird that they had her be that character i think it's kind of like a throwback to i guess they still do this sometimes where they just have totally unrelated characters um take the names of you know right side characters. right that they needed a name for dr strange's you know mundane girlfriend at the beginning of this and just took the name of christine palmer because it wasn't likely to be used otherwise right so next up on the list we have nicodemus west who is a character that i literally knew nothing about prior to seeing it on. <laughs> he's in the movie. He's in the first movie uh, for about two and a half minutes, right? He's the doctor who operates on Dr. Strange's hands after the accident oh, okay. and then tells him, well, you're never going to be a surgeon again. 
right? The, the, unless you know what you're looking for, there's no hint that this is an important guy from the comics. You literally have to, you know, like read the credits basically to like see what the character's name was um, and then be like, oh, wait, I, that's a guy from the comics. Um, in the comics, he is another doctor at the same hospital that Strange was a surgeon at. And he basically follows, he hears about what Strange is up to when Strange quits being a doctor and heads off to the mysterious East to Camartage to, you know, study with the ancient one. He hears about this um, and decides to go himself, right? Decides to follow him to do this. And when uh, Strange leaves the ancient one, and goes on, you know, to like become the Sorcerer Supreme and, you know, like the great hero of, uh, of the multiverse, uh, West becomes one of the Ancient One's next students, right? Like he also studies with the Ancient One and learns magic there. Um, and he never particularly wants to be a superhero or anything. He wants to learn magic to be the greatest doctor in the world. Right, he was—he's a rival of Strange's. Strange was always a better surgeon than him, and so Nicodemus West wants to learn magic so that his surgery skills will be better than Doctor Strange's. Right, so he's got like, even though you know he's—he's he's not really a villain or anything, he's got very selfish reasons for learning magic, and the Ancient One isn't really able to kind of like overcome that selfishness in him, and Nicodemus West quits being a student before he's done anyway. And comes back to New York, to the hospital, where he tries to use his magic to assist himself in surgery and that sort of thing, and accidentally kills the patient. And this basically causes him to lose his mind and become super jealous of Doctor Strange, and he becomes a Doctor Strange villain. Doctor Strange has to come in and kind of, you know, straighten him out, basically. Um, he's not like a major villain in any way. Um, he's only appeared two or three times, but he is, in fact, uh, you know, the, the name of the character um, was used once again in the first movie. And again, by rumors, that character has a larger part in Multiverse of Madness. We'll find out if that's actually true. All right. Um... Another one that I saw when I saw in the notes, I had no idea, and this one kind of irritates me. Uh, <laughs> in the first movie, uh, apparently, uh, Brother Voodoo is in it. But once again, Brother Voodoo is apparently in this in the first movie for about ten seconds, right? Um, when Cassilius attacks the New York Sanctorum, uh, you know, like it, you know, about a what a third of the way into the movie, uh, there is a guy there defending that place right like wong doesn't live there at that point wong is you know lives in camartage um as the you know the librarian there or whatever the guy actually living in the sanctorum we see a black man basically get killed by cassilius when he comes in to the sanctorum to take it over right and then strange gets into the fight with him uh where the the, the cloak first appears and that sort of thing right um the guy who dies according to the names in the credits once again is daniel drum and if you are familiar with the comics, that's the name of Brother Voodoo in the comics. Um, Brother Voodoo is a, uh, you know, only occasionally embarrassing, um, you know, uh, uh, super magician in the comics, a uh, character who first appeared in the 70s and uh, was kind of like, uh, you know, a, a bit embarrassing at the time. The, the, the portrayal of him was, uh, you know, like a bit racist, basically. Um, but was kind of, you know, rehabilitated as a character and was brought back by uh, Brian Bendis um, in the uh, last 
10 or 15 years basically and became a you know considerably more important character and one of Doctor Strange's most uh uh you know confirmed allies even though the two of them don't actually get along very well um again that same actor uh who was you know played Daniel Drum in the first movie is once again on the cast list for uh for multiverse so he will at least once again be appearing briefly and whether he gets more to do or not we don't know oh man well, maybe they'll have, just have his uh him haunt his brother. That's uh, right, exactly. In in the comics, he is Daniel is haunted by uh, his brother Jericho, uh, the ghost of his brother, basically, and his ghost can sometimes kind of you know either possess him or possess other bodies. Um, so it may be that Daniel is the ghost uh, now, and maybe in this uh, in in the new movie, maybe he's playing uh, you know like the brother who will be the actual living version. Right. Um. All right. He certainly uh, seemed very dead at the end of, you know, <laughs> at the end of his fight with Casilius. So, well, they're twins, so it could just be that right that he's playing is playing the twin yeah. brother instead. Yeah, although that seems like a lot to introduce in, like, you know, what is already a fairly packed movie. I'm not claiming that he's going to be an important part in it, right? But like I said, it's you know he was a he, he was a 10 second cameo that you know only like the the deeps I didn't realize it. Like I only had to find this out, uh, you know, like after the fact. I did not know at the time that that's who that character was supposed to be. Well, there's a, that rumor going around that we might get like a Midnight Sun style team, so maybe he will be there to set up for that. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm, I I really hope so. Uh, so next up, someone who is definitely in the movie, uh, but that we've never seen before, um, is America Chavez or Miss America. She is a very recent Marvel character. She was actually created in 2011 um, in the big Vengeance crossover event. Um, She has kind of, you know, like this complicated backstory. She's the daughter of a couple of scientists, and they're trying to cure a rare disease that she has. um, And the doctors can't, you know, like modern medicine can't help them. So they have to, like, take the money and assistance of, like, a mysterious patron and go live on an island where they're trying to like cure this. And it turns out that the mysterious patron, of course, uh, is actually trying to, you know, like learn how to create superpowers with medicine and um, turns out to be a bad guy. And her parents, her, her two mothers uh, try to escape the island with America and her little sister um, when they're kids, but both mothers are apparently killed. Little sister is lost. The lab blows up, et cetera, et cetera. And America's powers manifest, allowing her to create basically a teleportal that gets her away from this horrible situation, basically as a little girl. Um, she loses her memories. She's basically amnesiac from all of like the stress and danger and everything that happened. I mean, all of this was happening to her while she's like six or seven years old. Um, and she winds up in America being adopted uh, by a family in Washington Heights. And... Uh, you know, is kind of like raised as an ordinary kid, her powers uh, start to kind of like fully manifest and she takes on a superhero costume to fight crime as a teenager, um, which her family will have none of, right? Like the Santana family that she's, uh, that that she comes from. Um, I keep trying to like force her to stop being a teen vigilante because it's too dangerous and just a crazy thing to do. And she kind of like rejects them and basically runs away and adopts the last name of her real parents, uh, her, her, her actual parents, and changes her last name to Chavez. And so America Chavez is, in fact, her actual name. It's not her superhero name. 
Um, for a little while, she calls herself Miss America as her superhero name, and she joins a uh, superhero team um, called the Teen Brigade. And the Teen Brigade is named after Rick Jones's old radio buddies from the very earliest days of the Incredible Hulk. So it's kind of like a callback to that. Um, and she is, uh, you know, like part of this team. And those were her actual first appearances. And at that point, her origin hadn't really been detailed yet. And so it became kind of like a running joke in the series that she was lying about her origins, right? That like every time somebody asked her where she got her powers, she would make up some new story about how she supposedly got them, right? And part of this was because the writers at the time had not actually made up their minds, uh, you know, like what her actual backstory was going to be. Um, and so that became part of her personality, right? Like that she would just, you know, kind of like take the piss from people and, you know, lie basically uh you know like about where her powers came from um the teen brigade doesn't last very long but she is clearly the hit character of it she kind of bounces around the multiverse as a character over the next few years um she is you know regularly teaming up with the avengers and all these kind of like high-powered uh characters she's in the whole teen loki story she joins the young avengers for a little while after the last secret war she joined up with the ultimates which is, you know, like the crazy powerful team that Black Panther and Captain Marvel have put together. Um, and there she's, you know, hanging out with Galactus and dealing with all of these, you know, like huge, you know, events while still being a teenager character, right? And like the the running gag of her character is that nothing impresses her, right? Like she's hanging out with Galactus. And as far as she's concerned, that's just, oh, yeah, I had breakfast with Galactus this morning. <laughs> you know, like nothing phases her uh, at all as a, as a character. Um, she's a kind of a key player in the Second Civil War. She becomes part of Kate Bishop's version of the West Coast Avengers. So mostly where we've seen her, uh, she hasn't had a series of her own yet in the Marvel Universe, but she's been a part of like four different teams already. Um, so, you know, she seems to be a big joiner, right? She's, she's, she's into hanging out with other, uh, with other characters. Um, she's friends with, as we said, she's friends with Black Panther. She's friends with uh, Captain Marvel. She's friends with Monica Rambo. All of these other, you know, characters seem to take her very seriously. Once again, uh, despite the fact that she's still a kid, because she's ludicrously powerful. Uh, she can fly. She's super strong, super fast. She's invulnerable, and her major power, other than those things, is that she can create these like uh, teleportals. And they're shaped like stars, and they basically join two places in space so that you can just that anybody can just like fly through the portal and get to the other location. She has apparently no restriction on how far away that other point might be, right? Like she can teleport across the galaxy, across the, the universe. She can even teleport and open portals to other dimensions, right? So she can pretty much go anywhere in the multiverse all the time. Um, and so she, among most uh, among the Marvel characters, is one of the one who's, ones who's most used to the idea of parallel Earths, because she's hung out on a bunch of them, right? And so once again, that concept doesn't phase her at all, and she's very, uh, you know, kind of like laissez-faire about uh, about the weirdness of being in multiple Earths. So I assume a chunk of her role in this movie is going to be, uh, you know 
her going through the her power to travel through the universe is, is probably more important than her flying or being super strong or anything. Right. And this is going to be part of like the, the shtick that she does. Um, though in her first appearance, she was kind of having a fling. She was having a relationship with a male character named nullifier. Um, ever since then, she has identified as a lesbian, uh, as a character. Um, presumably this is carrying over into the movies. Um, in fact, uh, multiverse of madness will not be shown in Saudi Arabia, uh, because the movie is going to be explicit about her being a lesbian. Yeah, she's a pretty cool character. I've not read a lot of stuff with her. Just she ends up being in comics. I'm not really reading, but Ultimates was good. Yeah, she's a fun character. Like I said, it's a it, she was she seemed very Mary Sueish at first, right? Like she was just like so super competent at everything that it was kind of tiresome. Yeah, she. I mean, I think she also kind of she premiered close in time to uh, when. Miss Marvel was really hitting it big, and also yes. in the same time when, not when she was created, obviously, but when Kate Bishop was taking a starring role in the as the protagonist of the Hawk, Hawkeye series. So right. they both kind of outshadowed her because they're I think they're better characters than she is really, but she's she's gotten better. She's gotten better. She's grown as a character, and like when you know when when they let her be funny and let her be relaxed and stop showing off all the time. Um, she's a much more appealing character, I think. Yeah, um, absolutely. Those, the, those first few stories are just kind of like, you know, it's a little grating for her to constantly be, you know, showing up veteran superheroes and just like coming in and just being like, oh, I'm so much cooler than Captain America and Black Panther that like I don't totally don't need their help, you know? Yeah. She kind of had the same problem Ironheart did, I think. Yes. Um, except for I think she's actually a little bit more bearable than I am. <laughs> uh, I find Ironheart to be... I'm, I've never really enjoyed an Ironheart. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever actually read a story of hers where I... Just, I'm not going to say I'd never read a story of hers that I liked. I'm going to say I've never read a story of hers where I found her appealing. Yeah. Um, she's a character that I'm... Yeah. Uh, I, maybe she's just not for me is what I've kind of come to the uh, you know point of. Right. Um, uh, Miss America? Miss America's cool. Um, so next up, uh, we want to talk about the big man big multi-angled thing right. <laughs> uh, that we're, the, we're, we're, we're all just going to call it Garganto and, uh, you know, go along with that, I guess. Right. Garganto is what he'll be called in the movies. Garganto is actually a name that Marvel owns the rights to because it, uh, in the comics, Garganto is a sea monster who fought a uh, submariner a couple of times. And so, you know, I think they've just kind of like assumed that that was not a thing that was ever going to get used again. And they could, they could do that. The character is actually Shuma Gorath. And Shuma Gorath has been in Marvel Comics since 1973. Uh, first showed up in Marvel Premiere number 10 as a uh, big cosmic demon uh, that Doctor Strange had to fight at the time for whatever reason, the big tentacle, you know, monster or whatever. And uh, Steve Englehart was writing that story and he named the monster in his uh, series after a monster, after a demon um, in. Uh, one of the Robert E. Howard uh, stories, one of the ones about uh, 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 about Cole, and Marvel was um, doing the King Cole adaptations. They had a good relationship with the with the Howard estate at the time, so this was just kind of like Engelhart. You know, uh, he wasn't really trying to do a crossover with King Cole, but he wouldn't have minded if it did. If it did, right? 
Um, and so, you know, he was mostly just kind of like using the name as sort of like an in-gag if you happen to be a Robert E. Howard fan. Um, the monster actually appears. The story uh, that he appears in is called The Curse of the Golden Skull. And that was written back in about 1930. We don't know exactly when, but it was never published. It was one of the stories that Robert Howard never actually successfully sold to any of the pulp magazines at the time. And so it just was kind of in his collection. And in 1967, one of the Howard fan collector magazines basically found it in his papers and put it in the magazine. So if you were a Howard fan... In 1973, this was one of like the stories that had just come out, right? Like as far as that was concerned, it was a big deal that we had found this lost King Cole story. And Engelhart was absolutely one of those, you know, Howard fans. So he 100% knew that's what they were doing. Um, and so Marvel was just kind of like all over the Howard estates. Conan was huge. Cole was less huge, but it was still making money, um, etc. And so they were just kind of, you know, like pillaging the entire Howard uh, you know, over for concepts and characters and that sort of thing. Um, Shumagorath has continued to show up in the Marvel uh, universe, but part of the problem is that technically for like trademark rights and that sort of thing, it's still the Howard estate that owns the right to the name Shumagorath, right? So like Marvel could never put out, they can have a character called Shumagorath appear in their comics, but they could never put out a comic that was called Shumagorath. Right, like they don't own the trademarking rights to that character. Um, that also applies to toys and stuff, right? So if you're going to have this character actually appear in the comic, but you can't, you know, like use that name uh, or appear in the movie, but you can't use that name because that's, you know, the, the the rights are kind of like tied up with another company. And frankly, Marvel and the Howard Estate don't get along as well as they used to. Um, Conan still appears uh, in you know, they, they, they still have the license for Conan, but they do not have the kind of like close one-to-one -one relationship that they used to have between those companies. So rather than putting that at any sort of risk and rather than having to concern themselves over having a character that they couldn't make a, you know, Happy Meal toy out of because they don't own the name rights, they instead changed his name. And so they are now calling him in the movie Garganto, but we all know it's actually Shumagorath. Um, Shumagorath's story is that he is one of the multi-angled ones, uh, kind of like a Lovecraftian concept, basically. Um, he's a powerful demon. He's tied into the Cancerverse uh, concepts, and he basically ruled prehistoric Earth uh, back before you know history began, when there were you know humans and lizard men and stuff living on the planet, and a creature called Sisenedge. Uh, who was a character from the Doctor Strange, uh, uh, you know, like backstory, basically, uh, banished him from the Earth. It's super complicated backstory. You don't need to know any of it. Um, if you are interested in this sort of thing, send us a note and let us know that you want us to go through the entire Doctor Strange backstory because it's really weird and long, um, but we're not going to hit it right now. Um, the main thing that you'll need to know is that in the comics, at least, he's way more powerful than uh, most of Doctor Strange's bad guys, like he eats Dormammu for breakfast, right? Like he destroys entire galaxies um, at a, you know, with a wave of his tentacle kind of thing. He's like a super cosmic, nasty bad guy. Yeah, absolutely. Jim McGrath's awesome. Um, he's also very oddly in the uh, first time I ran into him was Marvel versus Capcom 2, where he is a fighting game character. <laughs> the weirdest fighting game character. That's amazing. 
they shrink him down to like he's shorter than like Cyclops, but he's like a <laughs> Um which is so also not like the uh the actual character. Um Garganto is a terrible name though. It is. And it you know, we're it, I'm not sure we're going to see kind of like the full Shumagura uh, you know, like concept in this, right? Because I mean, Shumagorath himself is like a Thanos level bad guy. Yeah. It should take several movies to defeat him. And it sounds like in this one, we're just going to kind of like kick him around the city for a while. So, yeah. Um, all right. Next up, uh, this is probably like the weirdest one and what a lot of the comic book movie speculation is all about. Um, and that is the Illuminati and the makeup of that group. Um, so do you want to start us off with uh, what the Illuminati is? Right. So in the trailer, uh, you know, about three quarters of the way through, we hear Patrick Stewart's voice. Uh, it's very recognizable to, you know, fans of Marvel movies and that sort of thing. Um, that oh, this is the voice of Professor X. Patrick Stewart has come out afterwards and said, oh, people have been doing imitations of my voice for <laughs> years now. It right. might not be me. Exactly. <laughs> And God love him for doing it. I I totally appreciate that. I I respect him tremendously. So yes, but no, he's actually in this. Um, and the general consensus, and once again, this has been partially confirmed. Um, basically, people have said that there's a version of the Illuminati in the movie. Uh, it may not have anything to do with the Illuminati that's in the comics. Um, and that seems probably pretty likely uh, at this point that it would be significantly different from the one that's in the comics. Uh, in the comics, the Illuminati is basically a secret conspiracy among superheroes, right? It's basically a group of superheroes themselves who have kind of decided early on in the Marvel Universe, basically right around the time of the Kree-Skrull War, um, a group of superheroes who were all involved in some way with the Kree-Skrull War realized that they had... Uh, after the fact, that they each had a piece of information that if they had shared with the others, they would have known the Kree Scroll War was coming. And they maybe could have done something to defend themselves for it instead of like being caught by surprise for it. So this group of heroes decides that they are going to set up a group that will just sort of like get together privately and share information among themselves um, and kind of, you know, uh, uh, keep that secret from the government and also from the heroes who talk to the government and anybody who they decide they just doesn't need to know about stuff. Not intentionally to start out with, with any sort of like ill intent, but as you can imagine, a secret conspiracy eventually starts to, uh, you know, like start to do things that uh, uh, may not have been the most above board to start out with. And this group consists of Dr. Strange, Professor X from the X-Men, Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Black Bolt from the Inhumans, and then they invite Namor and Black Panther to it, to the uh, initial meetings. Um, this is kind of, this group is first revealed to have existed all of this time in an issue of New Avengers, New Avengers number seven in 2005. Right, so it's a it's a Bendis retcon going back thirty five years of comic books time and saying that this existed that time ago and was kind of like a secret council within the world of superheroes. Um, both Namor and Black Panther quit because they didn't like what the you know what what the group was up to, right? Um, and so you know the 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 decisions that the Illuminati made, uh, kind of like leading up to events like Secret Invasion and Civil War and that sort of thing, have you know 
clearly been some like pretty questionable ideas. Um, and the group has officially broken up, uh, you know, once it became, once the other superheroes started to like learn that it exists, right? Like, uh, you know, Invisible Woman and Captain America did not know that this group of people were meeting secretly and were not happy to hear about it. So it's really weird when Captain America joins the Illuminati yeah. at one point, like lots of other people, Monday's show has been there. I think Medusa, Beast, a bunch of people have been part, but Captain America is really one of the weirder ones. Yeah, absolutely. It was a weird stretch of Captain America stories. Yes. So to what extent that is you know, going to show up, whether there is in fact an Illuminati and who is on it, um, kind of like, you know, remains unclear. There, you know, we're going to go over in a minute a bunch of other rumored characters who may or may not make cameos in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so you just want to go down all of the different rumors? We can kind of hit them and just, you know, say these these are the ones that I've heard of. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about whether we think that's actually true, uh, you know, whatever. Um, the first one I've heard is that Haley Atwell does show up as Captain Carter from the What If stories. Um, I think that's probably pretty likely and probably also pretty short, right? I think it will be one of those, you know, she appears on screen for 10 seconds, everybody cheers, and that's it. You know, likely, I doubt that she's actually on the Illuminati. Oh, no, she's not going to be part of the Illuminati. I don't think so. Loki is, uh, I believe it was confirmed at some point that Tom Hiddleston was on set. Yep. Um, I also don't think he's in the Illuminati. That's been a a fairly common, like, uh, statement. I think that would just be really weird. He doesn't really seem like the kind to work together secretly in a group. Yeah. Who else? Uh, Monica and Bob. Wait, no. Well, the, yeah, the ones, yeah, let's go ahead. Uh, Monica and Maria Rambeau uh, both have been rumored to be in it. Um, whether they are the same versions of themselves from, uh, you know, the Captain Marvel movie and WandaVision, respectively, uh, kind of remains to be seen. Um, they might be parallel Earth versions of themselves or something like that. Um, but I think it's pretty obvious that both of them, once again, were, you know, are, are pretty likely to show up at least for a little bit. Yep. Uh... Definitely still has something to do with Wanda. So Mo- Mobius, um, not Morbius, but Mobius uh, from Loki. Right, series. Mobius and Sylvie both from from the Loki series. No, I don't think I buy either of those as people are showing up. I feel like those will continue in the Loki show because um, someone was complaining to me. They think that they're going to have to have watched every single thing that has come up beforehand in order to to enjoy this movie and i I just don't think that that is a direction that marvel's going to take with its stuff because they really i don't i don't think you're going to need to know it to watch the movie i think there's a a a great likelihood there there will be a bunch of cameos i feel like there will be a bunch of like 15 second bits or two minute bits or something you know okay I feel like Sylvie, if she is in it, would not be would be difficult to explain to someone who hasn't watched Loki quickly. Right. So it makes me think that she's not. Yeah, maybe. That's just like, and same with Mobius, right? Uh, Because otherwise, people go, "Well, why did Owen Wilson show up?" Right. Um. So, uh, what John? You've got here John Krasinski as Mister Fantastic. Well, yeah, people who might be as part of the Illuminati. John Krasinski has talked about playing Mister Fantastic in the Fantastic Four jokingly for years now. It's been a kind of like a running gag that he was like actively, supposedly, you know, lobbying Marvel for the part. 
Um, and that like different, you know, fan groups got like super excited with every new rumor that he was kind of like jokingly throwing out about this. Um, there is of course no confirmation that he's going to be Mr. Fantastic now or in the future. Um, but he is so associated with the part, I think in a lot of fans minds now, um, that even if he does show up once again for a 10 second cameo, people would lose their minds. Yeah. I can't stand John Krasinski. So I really hope he's not. <laughs> I I find I well it, it depends. I've liked him in some movies, but I find his like outside of his his real world persona to be pretty funny. Oh, I think so him making fun of Marvel is actually pretty funny. So I find his out of his his real life persona to be uh, infuriating. I can't <laughs> listening to him talk. Okay, um, but we don't have time in this podcast to go into why I hate John Krasinski. Fair um, enough. Anson Mount as Black Bolt, which is not right. one that I've seen before, but that would be awesome. Right. Anson Mount obviously played Black Bolt in the in, in the uh, Inhumans brief run series, right. um, and so bringing him back as that character, even if it was you know only to have him sit quietly at the table in an Illuminati meeting or something, I think would uh, be a big you know hit with the fans. That series was terrible, but he was okay. He was fine. Yeah, he was not the problem with it. There was a lot of problems with it, but he was not one of them. Uh, Deadpool. Uh... Just because it's Deadpool can show up anywhere, right? Uh, Toby and um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Toby Andrew and Garfield. Andrew, uh, the other Spider-Man. They showed up in No Way Home, right? They that they may reappear in this, uh, you know, at least briefly, running through, you know, causing trouble. Tom Cruise is an alternate of Tony Stark because that's been a thing forever, right? Um, of people talking about the. Was it actually even a movie, or is it just like a fantasy casting? It was a fantasy casting going back many years, right? That yeah. he was uh, that that he had been one of the people who was apparently discussed uh, before Robert Downey cho- uh, took the part, right? Okay. Like that the part had been offered to Tom Cruise, and he, I guess, either he decided not to, or Marvel decided not to actually, you know, go through with it. Um, obviously, he would have taken considerably more money to like actually, you know. Uh, uh, get on board before the first movie, before the Iron Man movie. And I think Marvel may have just said, you know, I don't think that's going to fly. We're not going to make this a, you know, a Tom Cruise feature, basically. Bruce Campbell has been confirmed to be in the movie. We have no idea who he is. Right. Uh, Bruce Campbell, of course, is in every, you know, Sam Raimi movie. So the fact that Sam Raimi is doing this, um, one could expect that Bruce Campbell was going to show up, uh, you know, and and probably do some sort of a walk-on cameo. Um, I've heard people suggest that he's literally only going to play the character that he played in the Spider-Man movies, right? <laughs> like the guy, the, the wrestling promoter or something the you know, from the, from the wrestling match. Um, I've heard people suggest that he was going to be Ash. So, you know, who knows? Uh, yeah, I could actually, I could honestly see him being a member of the Illuminati and then just having him be an alternate version of someone. If yeah. Go also around. possible. Yeah. Um, things I've read, Chris Evans is going to be there. Um, but as a uh, human torch, not uh, as uh, Captain America. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, an alternate uh, Black Panther that is played by uh, Killmonger, or played by, uh, not Killmonger, by uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan. Right, okay. Um, what other ones did I uh, read? Oh, uh, Beast is going to be there. Um, the guy who played him in the uh, in the X-Men movies. The Kelsey Grammer would play Beast? I had not heard that one. That would be tremendous. He's a little old for the part now. The younger younger one. Oh, the younger one. Uh, Nicholas Holt. Oh, got it. Uh, Kelsey Grammer's Beast being there would be hilarious. 
That would be the best. I would love that. Uh, Ian McKellen, because uh, they want to, you know, the this is going back to the whole rumor that this is going to be the introduction of the X-Men and that uh, right. Ian McKellen will be there to talk to his daughter from another reality and that somehow he will know that. Uh, okay. Hugh Jackman, I've read. Uh, yes, I have heard Hugh Jackman. Uh, I really don't think that that's happening. I think if that happens, it'll be in the Deadpool movie. Um, the the Disney-funded Deadpool movie, since it'll right, have a yeah. massive budget as opposed to the Fox ones. Um, yeah, I think those are the ones that I've heard most. Um, I don't think or read or seen speculation about. If listeners have read any and want to come into the you know our Discord or anything and discuss further things that they have heard about it, this would be uh, you know please feel free. Um, this episode won't come out that that far before the movie, right? Like I mean, it's uh, you know this will this will air just before the movie comes out, so yep. we'll know the answers pretty soon. Well, it'll be, I mean, it'll be the same week. <laughs> it'll yeah. be two days later. So if you're listening to this, uh, you know you've already seen it. You can uh, know how foolish we sound. Right. Exactly. Um, alright so I think that's just about it it's all the characters that have been uh, confirmed that are new and all the characters that we have heard or seen rumored so yeah join our discord follow us on patreon thanks so much for coming I'm Steve Tasker and I'm Darren Watts have a good night thanks for coming